And so I can use many verses in the prophets to show this, but especially when you look at Zechariah chapter 5, it talks about what the glorious church will look like. And what it is, is a church that has been completely separated from Babylon. It is a church that has come to the pinnacle of holiness. That has been completely separated from, the, from this world. And so when this season comes to a close, God will officially begin to establish these churches. And already we are seeing these movements being ha happening throughout the world. In our church, none of our church members watch TV. Our young ones do not receive a cell phone until they become adults. We do not watch movies. We are completely separated and sanctified from the world. Our church kids don't even go to school. Ever since they're born, they are raised within the church. That when they start speaking, they start speaking in prophecies. They do not learn words first, they learn tongue prayer first. And so they interpret the tongues of their mothers. And so the children prophesy first. And if that child cannot uh, interpret, then no food for that child. It's a joke. But these kinds of glorious churches are being established all over the world. Why is the glory of the early church taken from us? There are many reasons. But it's because the truth has been taken from us. And going beyond that, starting from the year 330, uh, the, glory, uh, the glory of the church has been robbed by the Vatican. And so if you eat this word of Ephesians in faith, all of these embedded uh, great prostitute chips shall be taken out from you and you will receive this limitless nourishment from heaven. And so you will not be a miniature tree, but a very large tree. And you need to see the greatness of the church. And when you look at the New Testament, there are the seven doctrines of church as described by Apostle Paul. And it's not that these seven churches have all their own individual characteristics, but rather through the characteristics of these seven churches, uh, all the churches were being established. For example, the book of Romans is describing the structure of the church. And so through the Romans, we can have strong structure. And in Honduras, we'll be preaching out of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians is talking about the foundation of the church. Galatians is talking about how this uh, pure gospel will come about in the church. Philippians talks about the best church. And what is this best church going to do? They're going to rejoice every day. 
not so there's the Colossus of the Church in Colossae is talking about the doctrine of the church, but especially focused on the head, which is Jesus Christ. System. And Ephesians shows you the system of the church. How does God move through the church to establish his people, to build up his people? And so for the past 33 years, God has been continually embodying these words within me. And so all of Zoe's ministry is being trained according to the principles of Ephesians. And so whenever I talk out of Ephesians, it is not in theory, it is not an idea. Every morning I proclaim these words and these blessings of Ephesians and check within myself for these blessings as I pray. And so brothers, eat this word of Ephesians and go back to your churches and let the Holy Spirit establish this system in your church. Remember that the church is not to be moved by man. It's not a place that man can move. Above all else, the church is not something for a pastor to take responsibility. When you do, it, you find that it is not God's church, but the pastor's church, or the elder's church, or the deacon's church. Remember that the church belongs to God. The church belongs to God. God should move alone. And yet, how many, we, we, you will see through this conference how great this church is. Remember that the church does not cry because they are limited in power. The church does not cry because they are limited in wisdom. No, the church does not cry because they are limited in materials. I said again that our church is a small church. And yet for the past 20 years, as our church has been doing world ministry, we have spent more, we have spent more than $700 million. And to a large church, this might be a small amount of money. But to a small church like us, the fact that we were able to use this kind of money is a lot. And so when we serve you, pastors, I hope that you will not be um, confused. It's not because we're rich that we are serving you. No, the reason why we serve you, first reason, is because this is the glory that God has given you. And it's the glory that you ought to receive. It's not mine, it's yours. Second, it's not because we're rich. Uh, in, our, in Korea, uh, it gets down to minus 16 in Celsius. But in that coldness, uh, they, they do not heat their house so that they can save that money to offer. And so uh, whenever our conference happens in our church, our church doesn't have the funds to provide for it. Uh, even though there's only two weeks left, we still have no money. And yet, what's the secret? Oh, and then what happened was is that um, a child at our church died in an accident, a car accident. 
and the government provided um, life insurance for that child and his parents offered that to the church so that they could have a conference in South America and I, I said to God this God I do not want to do a conference with this money but God said that in order to save lives their life is needed that's what God said to me and so pastors remember that this conference we're serving you because of your own dignity but also it's not because out of our riches that we are serving you no it's because God wants to serve you that we are serving you and so please do not waste this time Let's turn to Ephesians. In AD 130, there is an apocryphal book called uh, The Acts of John. And before that, uh, that book was found, there was something that confused many scholars. From AD 50 to AD 90, uh, the religion of Artemis, the cult of Artemis, was so influential throughout Asia Minor. But why did it all of a sudden disappear? It was explained through the books and Acts of John. And there was a dissertation written about this in England. We can see in Acts 18 how powerful and how influential the cult of Artemis was. And the temple of Artemis was five times larger than the Parthenon in Athens. And it was so large that it, it puffed up the hearts of the Ephesians. And so the, the high priest of, 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 of Artemis challenged John, who was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And so he called Apostle John to the temple of Artemis. And day and night, he called upon Artemis to curse, uh, curse the Apostle John. But nothing happened. And so John said, are you finished? And John took three steps forward and raised up two hands to heaven and prayed, Lord Jesus Christ, manifest your glory and heaven split and a large hand came from heaven broke and split the temple of Artemis in half and so that cult disappeared from the face of the earth and so the church in Ephesians was the most powerful church in the world if you look at Revelation chapter 3 it describes this church in Ephesus the demons could not win the fight against the church in Ephesus because they had such power they were so strong in the prophetic anointing apostolic anointing that they had power and authority 
And so all kinds of miracles and wonders were happening because of how powerful the apostolic anointing was. And so the only thing that the devil could do to destroy the church in Ephesus was one, is to make them grow cold in their love. And so in Revelation 3 it says, return to your first love. Because their love has gone cold, they start to judge others. Because their love goes cold, that when, when miracles happen, it becomes their righteousness, it becomes their works. Because love grows cold, worship becomes a religion. So, what we need to understand is that these powerful words of Ephesians needs to make love. And so that's why we'll see in the book of Ephesians is talking about love. Remember that the church, as they grow in holiness, where, what is their goal? As it says in 1 John 1, 17, right, the community of John described in 1 John is the church in Ephesus. And what is the goal? The goal is to love the world as the Lord loved the world meaning that we could die for the brother next to me. And when we become that church, that is when you will be the most powerful church in all the world. And that's the reason why this church in Ephesus was the most powerful church at that time. And God is going to restore, not only restore, but further a more powerful church in these end times. In just a little bit of time, you will see all the spiritual reality manifest itself in the physical world. You will see manna fall from heaven again. The Red Sea will split again. That when two witnesses curse, that curse will fall on the land. There will be power and authority manifest that goes beyond our imagination. The things that we just witnessed right now is nothing compared to what we will see then. God has shown me many things throughout my 33 years. And God said to me like this, that right now you are preparing to be, to witness my, my true glory in that day. And so I'm waiting in eager expectation, in eager anticipation for that day. I yearn for that day. And that season is soon upon us. So as I spend time with God, I spend time like this waiting for Him. And it's not just me, but I pray that all of you here who are gathered here today would wait with me. You are all pastors who are most unlucky in the world. The reason is because you are pastoring in the darkest of man's history. It's a time that is very difficult to be a pastor. Right? And because our church members aren't here, I can speak freely to you. Many times you want to just beat them across the head, right? 
You just want to like squeeze them. You want to squeeze them and, 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 and punish them. And yet at the same time, you are also pastors who are the luckiest in all of history because you are receiving the greatest of all glory. Even now, this great glory is opening up to the pastors. So look with eyes of faith. Amen. And so you need to understand how precious it is, this job of being a pastor. Because you are the church of God, the church of God should not have any problems. And yet, why is there so many problems with the church of God? It's because of us, pastors. That's why the church is so powerless. That's why the church is so weak. And so pastors, let's be honest with one another. Let's be honest with one another. It's because of us. And so for the past 20 years, I did not go to minister to the lay members of the countries that I went to. That's your job is as pastors. And so I served only pastors. And so remember, if there's a problem in the church, it's because there's a problem with the pastor. It's because the pastor doesn't pray, but the church members don't pray. It's because the pastor is not devoted that the church does not devote. Amen, pastors? And so be honest, pastors. Let's be honest before God. Amen? And so you need to feel and see that this glorious church is opening, amen? So yearn and thirst and repent, brothers. So let's look at today's word, amen? Okay, I will not rush. I will go slowly, one by one. And if I cannot finish, I'll finish in June. Uh, any country that wants that wants to invite us in June. There are many things that I want to do with you, brothers. For example, we've also been ministering to Africa. And so we are the center and we send church members out and keep training the pastors in the various countries. And so this isn't God's voice to directly to me, but my inspiration is that there needs to be a center for Zoom ministry here in, in Central America as well. A place where you guys can come to train constantly. So I talked about Pastor Francisco earlier. But uh, we need to hurry up and establish a 24-hour intercessor prayer team here in Central America. There's many meanings for this. There's meaning for this in eternity. But also from the perspective of the church, it's really important to have water right now. 
And so, uh, in this time of great severe warfare, we need 24-hour intercession. That everywhere we go, God is doing great things. And the reason is because His grace, of course, His great grace. But also, in our church, 24 hours, they are praying for you. Even right now, it's early in the morning in Korea, but all of our church members have gathered and are praying for you right now. And all the church, Zoe Ministry Network churches all over the world are praying for you right now, this very moment, in Asia Minor, in Israel, in Africa, in America. All over the world in Zoe Ministry Network churches are praying for you at this very moment. And so the heavens shall open up wide, amen? And so uh, let us have this kind, same kind of center, the center of prayer open up in, Zoe, in, in Central America as well. So that a powerful uh, intercession would rise up here. And if you have that, I will call you to Korea so that you can receive training in Korea, so that you can have a prophetic intercession. So pray, brothers. Don't you want more of these things to happen? I guess you don't need it. So Lord, you will make it come to pass. So when you go back home, uh, when, it's good to not be rushed. Usually I'm always rushed. But that's what will happen, you'll see. And so let's see what is the church as described in verses 1 to 20. Look at verse 120. That he worked in Christ, of his great might that he worked in Christ. And this is talking about God the Father, yes? His great power is God the Father. That uh, he worked in Christ, his great might that he worked in Christ. And so there are many meanings with this great might. But this might is talking about the Holy Spirit. And so that the Spirit of God worked within Jesus Christ. And so to Paul, this is his uh, very characteristic uh, expression. And so when it says that the Spirit of God worked in Christ, uh, as you'll see in Romans chapter 2, that the purifying spirit worked within his, his within him and, uh, and brought him to life. 
And so remember, Jesus came in the flesh just as you and me. And that's what it means by uh, bringing to life those who died. Meaning that he came as just as the same man as you and me. Now, of course, he is the son of God. Right? He has that identity as son of God. And yet he never used that power and authority as a son of God. If he did, then our salvation is moot. Right? Because man can pay for man's sin. And so he needed to live as a man. And so what does the Bible, how does the Bible describe this? That he came in the Sarks. And so Sarks, the sinful nature, the Sarks in itself is not sin. But if you leave it alone, this Sarks will lead you to sin, will ultimately commit sin. And this Sarks is the essence, is the essence of the old self. And so the old self, what can he do? All he can do is sin because his system is made to sin. And so in Romans 8.3, okay, open up to Romans 8.3. Okay, you got to open up quickly. Okay, find it quickly. Romans 8.3, it says in the middle of 8.3, in the light, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. And so this word likeness, likeness of sinful flesh. This word likeness is actually kind of the wrong expression. Open up to Philippians chapter 2. Okay, it's good to take notes, but, but because it's being recorded, you don't need to take notes. Okay, you, you can always listen again later. So open up your spirit wide and listen to the word in faith. Amen? You don't have to write notes. And I urge you, brothers, to listen to this sermon again and again and again. Uh, while you're here, you need to hear in the spirit. Your spirit is listening. And then when you go home, listen again, it'll be very good. And so, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. So if you look at verse 6 as well, he was in the form of God, but did not count the uh, equality with God something to be grasped. And so in the NIV, it says he made himself nothing. And so what happens? That he uh, came in the form of men, in the likeness of men. It's the same word that we see in Romans 8. And so he is a man. So why did he come as man? 
Hebrews 5, 7, he says that I came in the sarks. And so he came in the same likeness, in the same essence as us. And the reason why, as it says in Romans 8, 3, uh, he condemned sin in the flesh. And so sin, that sarks, has ultimately been something that will be judged by sin, judged in sin. And so that's why the Lord received all our sins on the cross and died. And this gave great influence to our salvation. This is the absolute influence. And so without him becoming sarks, it cannot deal with our sins. And so when you look at Hebrews 2.14, Because he came in the flesh and died in the flesh, he disarmed the weapons of the devil. It's because he was man, and we are man, that we can also live as he lived. And so John 14, 12, says, those who believe in me will do the same things as I do. That's why it's so important that he came in the flesh. And so though he came in the flesh, remember that the flesh attracts sin every day. And so that's why what we need to understand that it's not out of my efforts that we win. It's where am I going to stand? Am I going to choose myself? Then the devil will come. And I live by that system that always sins. But if I deny the flesh and let the Holy Spirit reign over me, then I live by the new self. And who is the new self? The new self is lives by the system that cannot sin. And so this new self lives by grace and grace alone. And so in 1 John 1, 3, what does it say? That he who is born of God will not sin. And who, what does this mean, those who have been born of God? This is what I talked about last time when, when I preached out of 1 John. And so are you going to live by the old self or the new self? This is what will determine your faith. And so what does it say? It says to maintain righteousness. So who is the new self? The new self is that, that who has received the righteousness of God. So when you confirm and, and, and are sure of that righteousness inside of you, that righteousness will build your life. What is righteousness? As it says in Romans 3.28, that I needed to die, but he died in my place. And because of his righteous blood, I am acknowledged as having no sin. Is the sermon difficult, brothers? Listen in the spirit. Listen in the spirit, brothers. Okay, in this book of Ephesians, we'll talk about all 66 books in the Bible. If you listen with your head, your head will explode. Listen with your spirit. Listen with your spirit. Okay, with your spirit, brothers. 
yo he enseñado es decir que la Biblia en nuestra iglesia so in our church we have already preached all 60 books of the Bible and we're um, we're translating them into Spanish but it's so slow so we needed to hurry up and be translated and so as you um, go into our website we have much more material in English, and so if you can listen to English, go to English. We have also brought books for you today, and so... And so receive that book. Okay, let's continue. So it's really important, this fact that he came in the Sarks. And so the reason why it's important is because he is Sarks just like you and me. But he denied himself and lived by the Holy Spirit. And so he never sinned once. And it's the same thing with us. When you empty yourself, relying fully upon the Holy Spirit, then eventually you'll come to a time where you cannot sin. This may be really difficult to listen to. How can a man not sin? Have you ever seen someone who has been filled with the Holy Spirit for 30 years? 33 years ago when I met with the Lord, for a year, I was maintaining the fullness of the Holy Spirit 24 hours a day. And all of the revelations that I'm preaching out of was opened at that time. And 33 years ago when I first met with God, I never left the church for a year as I was maintaining the fullness of the Holy Spirit I was able to unleash all of the words of the Bible afterwards I went to seminary and as I was listening Hebrew and Greek I was seeing that ah, that everything that the Holy that uh, that the Holy Spirit spoke to me was speaking to me in the original language. So pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Continually receive righteousness in worship. And what's evidence of receiving God's righteousness? You will find that you are continually repenting of something inside of you. You'll repent of all the unclean things inside of you. And we'll see this later in Ephesians. But so though he was in the flesh, he emptied himself completely and so did not sin. And so let's go back to Romans, Romans chapter 1, verse 4. Okay, you got to follow after me well, okay? 
We don't know where we're going to go, so please do not miss the mark. Okay, so what is this uh, spirit of, of, of purifying spirit? It's the Holy Spirit. And so he continued to live by the spirit of holiness, by the Holy Spirit. And that's why he was able to save those who are dying. Why? Because he didn't live by, because he didn't sin? Because he didn't live by sin, the power of death could not keep him. And so he could not help but resurrect. Look in the gospel, it says clearly that he did not die because he was crucified. He let, gave up his life. But it says what? That he gave up his life. And so it's everything in this Bible is about him uh, uh, being acknowledged as the Son of God, right? And so anyways, let's turn back to Ephesians. So Ephesians is, says that he is the king, but he gives up his kingship, and on the cross, as he comes down, on the cross, he is once again confirmed as the king. As it says in Mark 15.10, what does the representative of mankind, the centurion, say? He says, this man was surely the son of God. So he, as representative of mankind, confessed. And so the church needs to confirm uh, this kingship at the cross. Evidence that the church is entering into glorification is that they're continually repenting. That we said that this glorious church will be manifest in the end times. As it says in Isaiah 50, 15, the vision of Isaiah 50, 15 is the first time Isaiah has ever seen this kind of vision. In Isaiah chapter 6, uh, he describes a vision where he sees God who is seated in the Most High. But in 50.15 it says, Most High, Most, Most High, going beyond that throne. So, so high that we cannot see with our fleshly eyes that he needs to come to us because he's so most high that we cannot come to him. And so let us repent, brothers. Let us be humble before our God, brothers. In these end times, God is raising up this glorious church. And so the glory of the church is to confirm your kingship at the cross. And so we'll see this in Ephesians chapter 2. And so let's turn back to Ephesians. We need to live by the Holy Spirit. Do not live by your thoughts. So going back to chapter 1, verse 20. Chapter 1, verse 20. 
Um, you, you, it's hard to come to your senses, right? So follow after me well, okay? Please forgive me. But this isn't my will, it's the Holy Spirit's will. But do not be too concerned. Do not be too concerned. Just follow because the Holy Spirit will lead you. The Holy Spirit will show you this glory. Okay, do not give up, brothers. And so when you raised him and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And so what this signifies is complete victory. That whenever there's a warfare, the victorious king sits on his throne. And next to him is his son. And so the losing king is brought before the king. And if he points down, then that king is killed. If he points up, he's, he's spared. But it's not just Jesus Christ seated on the throne. In chapter 20, verse 5 to 7, we are with him. We'll see this when we go to chapter 2. So you need to understand the great dignity you have in your calling. You are not an ordinary human being. And see why the angels are astonished that Peter describes in his epistle. Why are we losing to demons? It's because you do not recognize your own dignity. You do not recognize the greatness of the grace that has covered you. 33 years, I have never feared the devil. Not ever once. It's not because I'm bold. No, but because I believe in my dignity, I do not worry about, I do not fear the devil. Understand just how great you are, brothers. And so he had the complete victory, and as he was seated on the right hand, what did he do? Verse 22, he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. And so God seated Jesus Christ on the throne and gave him the authority. And so this word, uh, put over all things, is the word arche in Greek. Arche could mean beginning, but it could also mean dominion. The spiritual beings, he has dominion over the spiritual realm. Right? But uh, to the Greeks, what this is talking about is the system of Babylon. But either way, it's talking about the same thing. 
that this Babylon system is ultimately controlled by the dominion of the spirit. And so these spiritual beings are have dominion over the physical realm. So if you live by the old self, you are under the system of this world. And you cannot help but be under that dominion. And so there are many reasons why we need to engage in spiritual warfare. But especially, let's say you receive grace as you had this worship. But when you go back to the world, the world reigns over you. And let's say you come back to church in the same way. With, and that means you have no change. So that's why you need powerful spiritual warfare. And so that's why as you see all this glory in the book of Ephesians, how does it conclude in chapter 6? It concludes with spiritual warfare. And so there are two reasons why the church does not grow in maturity. First is that they do not know how to receive from God. As it says in 1 Timothy 1.15, it says, God, blessed God. And this word, word blessed is the Greek word makarios, which is also in the Beatitudes. And this word makarios is actually not something that you should use to describe God. And yet, why does Apostle Paul describe God with the word makarios? Because what it means is that God gives unlimitedly to his church. Okay, let's say your son comes to you. Would you not give him infinitely? No matter how dumb he may be, you're going to, uh, you're going to give him infinitely, right? It's the same thing to the church. The church is given by the Father infinitely. And so there's no way for us to lose. Amen? This is what it means to be the church. Amen? And so have faith. Have faith in who you are as the church. And so in this spiritual warfare, we talk about this word arche. And so who is the arche of the demons? It's Lucifer, right? Satan. And so all of this line of Lucifer, under Lucifer, that our Lord has reign and dominion over even all of the devil. Right? We see the same thing in Philippians. And so in chapter 22, it says that he put an end to all of these things. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. So again, the king can determine. And he's giving life, he's giving mercy. And he can determine all things. But look, he put him head over all things to the church. And so can you see this image? The church is the body. He is the head. 
and creation is under the dominion of the church. So the church has dominion over the creation. The church should not be influenced by the world. It's not it's wrong to say that, oh, the world is having a hard time, so the church should have a wrong hard time. For 25 years, when in our church, whenever the world was having a hard time, we had a good time. Even during, even during this pandemic, right, our finances multiplied twofold. And we had new businesses open during the pandemic. This is the essence of the church. This is what it means to be the church of God. We do not live by what the world says is right. We, we do not, if the world wants it, God hates it. If God wants it, the world hates it. Because the world and God are opposing one another. And so pastors these days, try to make churches that appeal to the world. This is a curse. This is a curse. How crazy is that? They try to make churches that appeal to the world. Why appeal to the world? The church will be hated by the world. Will be persecuted by the world. And so in our neighborhood, everyone in our, in our neighborhood thinks of us as a heretic. You are in, in a heretical com, um, conference. So take your chance now if you want to go home. Do I seem like a heretic? So Jesus Christ, the church, and then creation. This order, this order is the principle that God has established for all creation. And so it's not the things of this world that moves the world. When the church is letting the commands of the head who is Jesus Christ flow through us, we move the world. Uh, the past six presidents in, in, of Korea have been prophesied by our church. We have declared it. All of the world's principles we proclaim through the Spirit of God. Is it because I'm amazing? Is it because we are rich or powerful? No. I'm preaching, right? Oh, wow, that pastor's a good preacher. Is it I'm the one who's preaching? No. It's because the Holy Spirit, because I rely upon Him, He provides and He pours out. If you live by the Holy Spirit, you'll be renewed every day. Why? Because he's continued pouring out his newness, his richness, his newness every day. And so every day, new revelation has been poured out. And all my, those, my church members who are here are witnesses to this. That there is new, I'm being renewed every day. Is it because I'm amazing? No, it's because I'm the church. 
The essence of the church is being renewed every day. So you, in your body, in 15 days, your cells will be completely renewed. And that's how God created the universe, is to be renewed every day. Uh, this universe is expanding every day. There's nothing that stays the same in this universe. Everything is always going to a new place. It's being changed. It's transforming. Even you, constantly being transformed, being changed. This is called the riches of glory. And we'll see this later. And so again, he is the head, Jesus Christ, the church, and then creation. And so when you look at 1 Corinthians 12, it, does, it talks about spiritual gifts, but it doesn't, there is no spiritual gift of, of casting demons out. There is no spiritual gift of casting demons out. Spiritual gifts is not done through, uh, uh, casting out demons is not done through spiritual gifts. Why? Because think about it. When you're casting out a demon, who are you contending with? You're contending with the devil, with Lucifer. And so why do you, how can you cast out demons? It's not through spiritual gifts, brothers. It's through the power that God has given to his church. What is the church? It is Arche. The beginning has reigned over Arche, the beginning of the devil. And so this is what Jesus has promised to us. He says that the devil cannot touch you. You will trample scorpions and, and serpents. In 1 Corinthians 15, that you have the, that the uh, armaments of the enemy has been disarmed. What does it say in 1 John 5, 18? That the evil one cannot touch you. Who are you? What blood flows through you that the devil dare touch you? So what blood type are you? A, B, C, A, B, O? No, your blood type is R. Type R. <laughs> Royal blood. Real. Sangre de Real. Sangre uh, Real. Uh, in French, sangre royo. <laughs> royo. <laughs> Amen. Okay, amongst the sacrifices, there's the wave sacrifice. The wave sacrifice is shaking like this, shaking like this. And so if you shake like this, there will be coffee coming to you.
Okay, so verse 23. Look at how amazing is this church, amen? Have faith, brothers. Have faith. The church has all this authority and power. So what happens to the church? Verse 23. Which is his body. The church which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. And so there's two ways to interpret this when you look at the Greek. Is that the church that fills the world with the fullness of Christ. And so the church needs to always be filled with Jesus Christ. It needs to be filled with Jesus Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it means you need to be filled with the Word. This all moves together as one. The other interpretation is that we are able to move uh, immediately upon uh, Christ's command. That when the brain says to the right hand, raise your hand, it raises hands. When it says to the left hand, raise your hand, it raises hand. That moves according to whatever the head says. And so uh, the cell that is disobedient to the brain is the cell that is a cancerous cell. So don't let your church be a cancerous cell. Okay, but we need to respond immediately to the command of the king. That when, when, Jesus pro when God proclaims through my lips, uh, the church members need to be obedient. Disobedience leads to death. This isn't my words. That's what, it's not my words that are being spoken, but Jesus is speaking through me. This is how to have dominion over the world. Be filled with Jesus and being, and being immediately responding to the command of him who is the head. Amen? So this is what it means to be the church. And so for this reason, in chapter 1, from verse 1 through 14, when God establishes this glorious church, he blesses this church. And so for the past 25 years, for the longest time, I pray every morning proclaiming these eight blessings that are described in Ephesians chapter 1. And so we'll see the eight blessings proclaimed by Paul in verses 3 to 20, or verse 3 to 14. And here we will see how this is all possible, how uh, to live as the glorious church is all possible in chapter 2. And in chapter 2 it talks about how precious is this calling that Paul has received. And then in chapter 4, uh, it talks from one chapter 4 from verses 1 through 11, it talks about the system that moves this church. And in that system, how are the, your saints going to live holy lives? What kind of holy lives they will live? And then chapter 6, verse 10 to the end, what happens to that church? That church will be excellent in spiritual warfare. 
And so I only spoke of one thing, yes? That if the church cannot receive from God, it cannot grow. Second, even though they receive, they get, it, it, it gets stolen from them, so they do not grow. And that, what, what does that come from? It comes from lack of spiritual warfare. This church must be able to engage in spiritual warfare. Why? Because of these eight blessings. Okay, and so let's go a little bit deeper. Are you tired? Okay, even if you wave your offerings, there will be no coffee today. Okay, I told you, you, you can sleep here, okay? Just do not snore. Okay, shouldn't we receive these blessings? Do you not want these blessings? Yes, brothers. These are amazing blessings. Oh, I shouldn't give this to f for free. Oh, but because I have received it for free, I will also give to you for free. And so, uh, God gives these amazing blessings so that you can grow in that glory. And so, you must be aware of these amazing blessings. Amen? Are you ready? Are you ready to receive these blessings? Okay, then let's look at the introduction to this book. Verse 3. It's, so these eight blessings come from verse 3 to verse 14. And remember, Ephesians is not a theory, it's not an idea. This is what God is manifesting in my pastoral ministry. And so, Zoe ministry is a blessing. 33 years ago, God met with me. And for 14 years, I could do nothing. He did not allow me to do anything. Why? Because He wanted me to wrestle with the Word. And at that time, my wife said to me, go to other churches and listen to their seminars. And if I was enclosed, I should have been successful, but I wasn't successful. And so for those 14 years, what God wanted from me is to eat the word, to repent, to obey, and to bow down before God. That was all he wanted from me. That's what I did for 14 years. Eat the word and repent. And so it's because when you eat the word, you do not repent that you are so hardened. You are unable to uh, break down the hardness and pollutions that the world has implanted in you. So brothers today, as we hear today's word, let us pray to God that He would begin this work of the Holy Spirit within us today. That through us, God's glorious church that pleases Him would be established. And it's not so that we can make something of ourselves on this earth, 
but that on that day when we stand before you, Lord, that we would enter into your glory. That we would enter into your glory. Amen? So let's continue. Verse 3. Blessed be the God. And so when you look at the epistles, there are two epistles that begin with this word, blessed. Ephesians and 1 Peter. In 1 Peter, why does Peter say, blessed be the God? Because he was so filled with the inspiration that God has made us his children, has adopted us as his children. But what about here in Ephesians? Why does Paul say, blessed be God? Praise be to God. Because the, the glory of this church that Paul is witnessing, it is so great. And so Ephesians was written at the height of Paul's spirituality, around AD 64. This is three, four years before Paul's martyrdom. He is completely open to the Holy Spirit and has embodied everything of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul's life, the most difficult year in Paul's life was AD 55 because of the Corinthians. And as he su successfully navigated through that time, as we'll see in Philippians, Paul's spirituality gets to the highest point. And so learning to be content no matter what the circumstances, no matter what happens, whether poverty or riches, or whether it's good or bad, he is not shaken by outside factors. Where I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so this, and in that prayer, he wrote what book? The book of Ephesians. And so when you look at how Ephesians is written, it's written as a poem. And so what is a characteristic of a poem? It takes one idea and expounds on it. And that is what the book of Ephesians is. It's, it, it is a poem and there is deep a revelation here. And so today I pray that your revelation will be opened up that those who that the one who speaks and the ones who hears will move in the same spirit and so he, as he sees this glory of the church what does he say he says blessed be the god and who does he first praise he first praises god and father of our lord jesus christ right and who is father and son is jesus christ and god so the Son has given all things to the Father. And I talked about the Trinity in 1 John. I will not talk about that here. But it says, in Christ. And it says at the end of verse 3, uh, who has blessed us in Christ. And this blessing is the eight blessings that I'll talk about soon. And this word blessing is a really important word. It's the word in Hebrew, baraka. 
And why is this blessing so important? Because when God created man, he created man with a blessing. If you look at chapter 228 of Genesis, he gave us this blessing to subdue the earth, to control and reign and multiply. And so ever since man was created, God has set them up as kings. And so even before kings were, or man was created, they were being prepared as kings. Right? And God said to Adam what? To subdue the earth. And so ever since we, we were created, God has created us to be victorious spiritually. He has given mankind the right to be leaders. What is leadership? It is the leader, it is the ability to lead all creation to God. And so this gospel, this, this blessing was first given to man. But Adam failed in this blessing. And Jesus Christ came back to this earth. And Hebrews describes Jesus' first coming like this. Hebrews 6. That he will bless you and bless you and will surely bless you. It means that all the water that has been cut off will be unleashed. And so this doesn't just happen overnight because you establish a church and the church uh, just pours out. No, rather that the church, through spiritual warfare, restores that blessing that they have. It's not being given something new. You are reclaiming what you already had. That you are this blessed being. And so the church has the right to have dominion, to reign. You have this powerful leadership. And so that is being restored to you. You are being restored to all the power and authority. That when you reign, you, God gives you all things. Have faith, brothers. It's not important to receive because you already have. And so understand that what you have is being taken from you. And so that's why you need to engage in spiritual warfare. Okay, so stop being slaves thinking that you need to beg and beg and beg. No, hold on to what is yours. Hold on to what is yours. And if you lose, it's okay because God is infinitely rich. If you lose one dollar, he'll give you ten dollars. If you lose ten dollars, he'll give you a hundred dollars. Amen? So that's what this blessing, Baraka, means. So when God created man, he began by blessing them. In the same way, you are blessed. You are blessed. And what is this blessing that God has given us? It is a blessing in Christ. And so throughout the New Testament, we see this word in Christ, not just by Paul, but all the apostles. 
But especially Apostle John uses this phrase very often. Now, of course, Apostle Paul uses it a lot in Colossians. But this in Christ isn't a special privilege for select few, no, but it's for all saints of the early church. And so when it says to be in Christ, what you need to receive at principle, because he is in me, I am in him. And we call this indwelling and imminent. And so the important thing is not the imminent Holy Spirit. I talked about this in 1 John as well. The important thing is the, imminent, is the indwelling Holy Spirit. The indwelling Holy Spirit. How is he reigning over me within me? That as he's inside of me, do I put up any obstruction against him? Do I put any obstacles against him? Paul says in Philippians. That I consider all things rubbish in light of the greater glory that is knowing him, my Lord Jesus Christ. What this means, that we need to keep emptying ourselves. Emptying ourselves. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that I die every day. In 2 Corinthians 4, what does he say? He says that I would put on the death of Christ so that the fragrance of the life of Christ may come forth from me. It's the same principle. Continue emptying yourself. Emptying yourself. Why? Because when I empty myself, what do I gain? I gain Christ. I gain Christ, this indwelling Holy Spirit. And in that indwelling Holy Spirit is made manifest in my life. So what's important is the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so most of the pastors I've come across, they do not give their lives for the indwelling presence, but rather the imminent presence of the Holy Spirit. Right? The outside things, how much money came in, how many people came, how many great things are happening. This is all the presence. That's not the presence that determines the holiness. It's do I have anything that obstructs the Holy Spirit within me? then as long as I have nothing that obstructs the Holy Spirit at any time the presence can come strongly no matter what may happen it's all up to him and so did I heal you today? no because I did not limit him who is dwelling within me he may manifest his power and so when it says in Christ when you see that in the Bible what you need to understand immediately is indwelling, indwelling presence. And so the early church always lived within this relationship. And I call this the exchange of life, this interchange of life. And this is something that cannot be drawn with hurts and wounds within you. I understand that he is in me, but I am also in him. Can you draw that? Right, this is what we call the mystery of God. Right, when you see in the Gospel of John, as Jesus is leaving his last word, what does he say? He says, as I am in you and you are in me, Father, 
that may we may they be united. And this word one, right, is to be united, that they would be united. And so as we are the church, this mysterious relationship needs to always be characterized inside of us. Who is he? Okay, it's like this. Draw it like this. When the mother is pregnant, the baby is in her womb. And that baby is connected to the mother through the umbilical cord. So the same way that baby is in the mother's womb, and through that umbilical cord, the mother is in the baby. So there's this interchange of life that's happening, right? There's this exchange of life constantly as the blood goes back and forth. And as it cleanses me, purifies me, removing all the rubbish, this uh, interchange of life gets embodied inside of you. And so the early church saints knew that the most important thing for them was to maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit, as I'm long as I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, it will determine the presence of God. And so today, what is this gospel? This gospel is in the context of being in Christ. And so if you're outside, it is idolatry. But when you're inside, this gospel, this, this blessing uh, un- is unfold unlimitedly. And so I bless you that you will be found in Christ. That you would have limitless presence of God within you. In your finances, in your power, in your authority, in love. In all things, you will be filled with the presence of Jesus Christ. And so what's the second part of this? Is that this blessing is not only in Christ, but it is heavenly things. Right? It is in the heavenly places. This is in uh, plural, places. Remember that at this time, the Greeks understood the heavens in three, in three steps. The first heaven, second heaven, and the third heaven. Who is God? God is someone who fills all three heavens. And so this blessing isn't just given just to one side of the heavens, but to everywhere. It's not just in the front, but everywhere. Wherever you go, everything you touch, everywhere you breathe, His presence, His blessing follows you. And so, it's, you know, look at this thing. When you come to church and you feel filled with the Holy Spirit, but you go to the world, you're empty. Why? It's because you locked the Holy Spirit in the church. But who is our God? Our God fills the entire universe. Even when you go home, He is there. Even when you go to the bathroom, He is there. He is everywhere. And so when you live with that God, with the reality of that God, all things are unload, unleashed to you. All things come to you unlimitedly. He fills Uranos, the heavens, the heavenly places. And what else is this blessing? It is a spiritual blessing. What does it mean that it is a spiritual blessing? And so he's not just blessing your flesh. Because when he blesses your flesh, you are not being blessed in your essence. Just as there's an essence inside of you, the spirit is your essence. 
And so when we look at Romans, it talks about you know, the makeup of the human character of the human body. And so like it says in Psalms 113, we have been created in divinity. And what this means is that man can choose to either live by the spirit or they can live by their soul, their thoughts, or they can live like animals by their flesh. Right? It calls this bios life or psyche life or zoe life. We need to live by the zoe life. What is this zoe life? It is the spiritual life. And so man needs to have the spirit lead you. If your spirit has good relationship with God, then your thoughts will also follow and your flesh will also follow. Going beyond, if your spirit is healthy, then your mind and your body will not be limited. There's no limit. Because in Genesis, it says that we have been created in God's life. He breathed his life, his ruach. He breathed his breath and man became a living being. And what is this living thing? It is living psyche. Means that you are living because you think, right? And so God breathed his spirit upon you and created you as a living psyche, as a living being. Why? Because without God, man can't help but live by their thoughts. And when you live by your thoughts, as it says in Proverbs, that what it seems good to man leads to death. That without God, man lives by their thoughts. And if you live by your thoughts, you are going to death. So we need to continue to be connected to God and live by the Spirit of God. And so above all else, this blessing, this blessing is what is a spiritual blessing. And so your spirit needs to be healthy so that the entire, so your entire being could be blessed. And so, and so I apply this in my churches. And, and one day, uh, recently I kicked a church member outside of our church. I waited for him for more than 10 years, but I kicked him out, I excommunicated him. He does not change. And yet he earns so much money. He makes so much money. In fact, he was the top 5% offering in our church. He's being so blessed materially, and yet he is not transforming, and so I kicked him out of the church. Why? Because he's not holy, and yet he's making all this money. That's proof that it is not blessing of God. So I cannot bless him. This is important, brothers. If he's holy and his spirit is being cleansed and he's making money, that's not a problem. But his spirit is dirty and yet he's making lots of money? That is not a blessing of God. That man will be ruined. 
And so if you have church members like this in your church, kick them out. That way your church can be holy. That is what the church is about. The church needs to put its life for holiness. You need to put your life for holiness. Many people think that, oh, because I don't have money, that lack of money is going to kill me. No. No, even if that person had lots of money, he would still be ruined. And so those who are blessed in the spirit, even if they have money, it's not a problem. Even if they don't have money, it's not a problem. Amen? In Korea, when I talk about this, they don't say amen very loudly. Say amen to agree because God is pleased. Remember that the issue of life is not dependent on money, it's on faith. And what is the season that we are upon right now? Is that in faith all things are possible. That in faith all things are possible. Even the money that you love so much, it's all possible in faith. And so lastly, this blessing is in the past tense. God has already blessed us. And so I'll give you guys gospel. That after this, let's close today's sermon. Good news, right? Good news. Okay, I only got to verse 3. Then maybe only do chapter 1 this entire conference. Okay, so today after the sermon closes, please pray before you go to your rooms. And if you need ministry, also stay to receive ministry. Receive healing, receive interpretation, receive prophecy, receive impartation. So I'll see you tomorrow. So we'll have lunch at 12 tomorrow. So I came Wednesday. And so I got to try all the food. And it's very good. And so please uh, come to eat. And lastly, we want to speak about this. It's because it's last, if you are falling asleep, wake up. The reason why the air conditioner is not working. Okay, because in Korea, there's an expression that says, fight heat with heat. And so, so that your heat would be more hotter than this temperature of the air. 
And so, lastly, this is written in the past tense that he has blessed us. Why is it so important that it is in the past tense? Listen carefully, brothers. Why does growth in the church stop after a year? This is really important. In Ephesians, there's an important word. It talks about the glory of the riches. Why does the riches of the glory only happen for a few years and then stop? Why do church members stop growing after a certain point? There are many reasons, but, the, but this is the principal root. It, because we do not need to go seeking blessing. The moment you have been adopted as a son of God, the, Holy, the moment that the Holy Spirit dwells within you, then every single blessing that you need that is required for you to live throughout eternity has already been given to you. Why is this so important, brothers? Listen, look. What is growth? It's not receiving from something outside of you, but it's revealing, manifesting what's inside of you. So those who have faith in this, above all else, where are they going to put the focus of their Christianity? Is that they understand it's not about making something, but just cleaning up what's inside of them. Cleaning up the refuse that's inside of them. So fundamentally, the truth that is proclaimed in the church is not so that you can be saved because the moment God meets with you you are saved right he can save anyone and so the emphasis of the Bible is not on being saved but on how to be how to enter into God's glory how to be sanctified and enter into God's glory and so through this sanctification glorification allowing all these blessings inside of me to be manifest. Even me, even now I'm continually growing. I'm continually transforming, continually repenting, continually emptying myself, cleaning myself, continually giving myself up to God. And God is continually providing all the riches of His kingdom to the church. Romans 8.23 says, Romans 8.30 says, that he who has called, he has, pre he has uh, sanctified, and those he has sanctified, he has glorified. So what is our predestination? Our predestination is to be glorified, to continue to be purified, 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 and letting that glorification um, be revealed means that a saint grows until eternity. 
There is no stopping to that growth. It's not, oh, you get, you, you, you did these steps, so you graduate to the next level, and you do these steps and graduate to the next level. No, there is no graduation. Why? Because the ch church is not an organization. The church is life. And life is always moving. Life is always transforming. And so the church is always growing, always transforming. So let's say that there's a fruit store or fruit tree. And if that fruit tree is healthy, it will bear much fruit. And so if the church just reveals the fruit of God, there's nothing the church cannot do. All things are possible. Why? Yes. And so that's why, that's proof of healthy and maturing church, a church that is glorious. That is the church that we are hoping for. And it's not receiving from outside. And so that's why 1 John 2, 17, 27 says that you do not need to learn anything, that the Holy Spirit anoints you and teaches you all that you need to know. We are not beings that need to learn. When I preach to you and you receive grace, it's not because I'm teaching you something new. No, Isaiah prophesied, Daniel prophesied. So it's all something that you already know. So when a pastor preaches, how does he preach? God anoints me and that anointing speaks. And so remember that man cannot touch people. Why is the church member able to be healthy? Because the Holy Spirit teaches them. As it says in Micah 4.2, that the Holy Spirit directly teaches you. This is really important, pastors, especially to pastors. Okay, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. And whenever you preach to your church members, you need to preach through that anointing that God gives you. So that's why many times people are blessed by the pastor, but after a while they are bored and they go to another church. But look at our church members, they do not go anywhere else, they cannot go anywhere else. Why? Because within me is continually being transformed and new things are continually being revealed and manifest. And so, uh, I'm constantly being transformed. Same thing to you, brothers. Forever, all the blessings that God has given you needs to continually be manifest more and more and more and more. Unendingly. Unendingly, continually being transformed. Have faith, brothers. Let us pray. Okay, whenever I say let us pray, many of you stand. That's good. It's fine. But it's okay also to be seated. 
because when you pray, uh, sometimes God's presence comes upon you and you fall over. And so it's better to be seated then. And so lots of great impartation is going to come upon this place today. So we'll see in Ephesians 4. Okay, the apostolic anointing is flowing to you right now. So receive it. Receive the anointing of the prophetic anointing. Receive the anointing of evangelism. Receive the anointing of pastoral ministry. That whenever I preach out of Ephesians, this uh, force spirit, so the system of the church flows. And so receive it. Receive it. And so when the anointing is strong, as it comes over you, you might enter into that presence and fall over. So please be seated. And so pray in tongues. And as you pray in tongues, you'll be able to interpret tongues. And that interpretation gets proclaimed as prophecy. This anointing is flowing out right now. So right now, that anointing is being poured out upon you. And so Lord, at this time, upon your precious and precious servants, you have given them everything in order to establish your church. May this great blessing be manifest in them. May that anointing flow forth from them and may it be imparted upon them and may they be able to pray more powerfully than they have ever been able to before. Jacob 2.5 talks about the power of how we can pray powerfully and that is when the gates of heaven opens automatically. And so Lord, at this time, as we pray, may we see the heavens open up 